Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. I'm Sam Parada, and we've recently uh, finished up a series on the doctrines of grace. And, and then, if I can't remember which podcast episode it was, but I said that I'd be traveling to Lawrence, Kansas, to talk with a fellow AFCI comrade. Uh, his name's Dan Rumman, so I'm here with him now, and we're going to be talking about postmodernism. Uh, knowledge, a whole assortment of things. Who knows where we go with it? We might go down a, a bunch of different rabbit trails, but it should be a very, very engaging discussion. And I, I would expect us to talk about things that, unless you've been really intentional intentional about diving into these things and doing your own personal study, you probably haven't heard a lot of things that we're going to say. Or it's going to like turn on the light bulb in your mind and, and things are going to click a little bit, but this topic of postmodernism is really, it's extremely relevant. It's extremely confusing. So we're not coming at you with this secret understanding that's so refined and perfect. Like we're going to just lay it out flat for you. And, and that's just the way it is. We're going to, we're going to probably admit to a lot of our lack of understanding on what postmodernism is. But before we even get into any of that, I'd like Dan Rudman to introduce himself Tell everybody who's listening a little bit about his ministry, who he is, and all that stuff. So go for it, Dan. Just give you a little synopsis of your life. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm old enough to be Sam's dad. We laugh at each other a little bit about that. But uh, Well, you're kind of older than me. I mean, my dad's not even 50 yet. Okay, well, (laughs) I turned 59 this year, so you start feeling like an old guy. Young at heart, so. I still like running around the woods and being crazy. Um, but no, I've been married for uh, 36 years to my lovely wife, Tina. And uh, I have five grown kids and five grandkids. And uh, we've had a full life. Yeah. Um, in my late 20s, uh, I got engaged with full-time Christian ministry. Yeah. And from day one, my heart's been that of... I would say historically or biblically, we would have to have another conversation sometime about that, Sam. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, you know, I'm a, I, you, would, you would call me an evangelist. Um, my heart is for people to hear and understand the gospel. And uh, I pretty much go to lots of different places. And I've been, even a few weeks here, I'll be in another country working with a bunch of leaders from a bunch of countries. And uh, I want to engage the culture with the gospel. And so... Yeah bring it to them. That's a big issue for me. So part of that is understanding the world you're coming to, the people you're coming to, right. having conversation with them. and So we could have a lot more wherever that takes yep. us. I've lived in Lawrence, Kansas. I grew up in Michigan, um, and we moved here in my mid-30s, so about 25 years ago. Yep. And uh, I've been with Ambassadors for Christ almost all that time. Yep. Uh, and um, I'm out in the community every day right. with people. Uh, I go to jails. I go to universities. I've done a lot of apologetic kind of discussions. I'm with businessmen. I'm with tradesmen. I'm with the everyday guy in the coffee shops to speaking in lots of different places. Yeah. And so, so what makes my heart beat fast is the gospel. And yeah. Amen. God rescued me when I was a university student, and I had a very serious conversion experience with the Lord, and he kind of set my path, and it's been that way for guess what would that be about 39 years that i've known the lords right that's amazing yeah amazing to me so we're sitting here in my office and i would just (laughs) say this a number of years ago my i have a son and four daughters and my daughters were teens and they were sitting around talking and they were talking about what their bedrooms would be like 
if you could have the bedroom any way you wanted it, what would it be? And, of course, it's very wonderful because people's offices or bedrooms or whatever represent who they are. Right. And so I remember they told me later, it was kind of humorous, I started to laugh because um, somehow in that conversation, <coughs> the, the girls were talking, again, think of teens, they're saying, well, what would dad's room look like? <laughs> and my youngest at the time, she would have been probably 12, she said, maybe even younger, 10, she said, oh, dad's office would look like hunting. This was her comment. It would look like hunting and the church library. <laughs> So Sam's laughing because he's sitting in my office right now, and it, it's exactly that. <laughs> in every nook and cranny, there's either a deer head or an antler or a bear skull or hides hanging on the walls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and every other wall is covered with a library of books. Yeah, you can think of like, <coughs> yeah, two walls that have giant bookcases filled with books, and then above those bookcases. Towards the ceiling are literally a lot of shoulder mounts of giant whitetails yeah. <laughs> shot in Kansas. <laughs> it's if crazy. If you know anything about Kansas, whitetails are huge, so there's so some anyway, big ones. Yeah. <laughs> and then they mixed in there, though, I will say this. This is my sentimental side. I have all these things that have deep meaning to me. I was showing Sam yesterday, yeah. right? Really unique things, really cool. Yeah, that most people probably wouldn't value, but, you know, when I was 10 years old, I carved an initial in a tree where my dad taught me how to enjoy the woods. Right. And I went back there after I was married in my late 20s, and I found that tree yep and it was it had been blown over by lightning and anyway i was able to cut a chunk out of it that still had my initials right. and they're here i'm looking at it right and now i still have that knife <laughs> when i was 10 years old so 40 years ago you know and i have all yeah. these little memories in here of i have a, a little uh a beautiful little embroidered cross here that um a prisoner in uh uh a prison it was kind of in this rock on the side of this building kind of a cave uh, right after the communist wall, if you will, the communism collapsed right. in, uh, in Russia and, you know, the Baltics and all that. And I was in Lithuania and, uh, and I got a chance to share the gospel there in my thir early 30s with these prisoners. And I don't know, I often wonder, maybe, maybe many of them are Christians, I don't know. Sure. They were just coming out of the communist world and a lot of those guys had been imprisoned. And uh, this guy ran up to me as I was walking out and handed me this little, I showed that to you yesterday. Yep. And, and I have all sorts of stuff like that around my. Yeah, it's a in here. It's just they they are these very sensitive. I would I would rescue those things in a fire before most things. Yep. So anyway, yeah. It's a very comfortable space for an outdoorsman and a and a guy that likes to read theology books. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Right there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we're gonna talk about postmodernism. It's a humongous topic. Oh my! It's extremely broad, extremely confusing. I mean. Yep. A hallmark of postmodernism is that there's an infinite, uh, an infinite number of ways that you can interpret the world. So you can just imagine a worldview, or a way of thinking, or, or you know, whatever it is that has that as one of its fundamental claims. You can imagine that it's going to be very confusing, yeah, extremely confusing. Yeah. A lot of things that are incoherent, a lot of things that aren't logically cohesive, yeah. Things that don't make sense, they don't fit together, but yet they're part of this, whatever this is, called postmodernism. Yeah. Um, so it is going to be confusing. It's hard to really pin it down, nail yeah. it down. Uh, well, you said, you just said something, though, Sam, sure. that's, that I would say is a, is a tenet that's very important. You said it can be, how'd you say it, that it can be anything you want it to be or something? Well, yeah, the hallmark is that you can interpret the world. Yes. There's okay, an there infinite number of ways you can interpret the world. Okay. And the reason there's an infinite number of ways you can interpret the world, because... Well, let me just step back one step before I even say that. Um, one of the things you'll see with me is that 
while I read these things and study these things, and some may say, oh, Dan, you're intellectual. It's not, that's not my issue. I'm not, I'm not into being intellectual. I don't have a philosophy degree per se. I have, a, I have theology degrees. Sure. And, um, so I read a lot. I've read a lot of philosophy, but it's not like I'm just enamored with that. I'm right. trying to figure right. out how to communicate to people. Right. I'm trying to figure out what are they You're thinking? an evangelist. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how they think. So I'm very pragmatic. Yeah. I mean, I'm very much like, like I'll, I'll read this big, heavy stuff, but I want to come down and say, what's the three or four key points for the average person that goes and, yep. you know, works at, you know, Home Depot every day. You can put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Yeah, I mean, that's really what I'm about. So just as we have this conversation, while well, you may go into some heady stuff, it's not my intention. I don't, like, right. I don't like that. Right. Okay. So coming back, what's really fundamental, what you just said, though, is that one of the whole postmodern ideas is even a big idea that goes all the way back to the beginning of man, beginning of the creation. Yeah. And that is you, individual, as a person, right. gets to define reality. Right. If you feel a certain way, then that just must be reality. Yeah. You want to think about something, uh, you want to define who you are, you get to you get to decide to do that. At the end of the day, postmodernity is not really new. No. It's it's the same thing in a different form. Oh yeah. And it's like you as an individual person gets to decide yep. what and you might even hear terms like uh, this is reality for me. Yeah. And I'm gonna go or well, this is my truth. Or my truth. Yeah. Or, or this Whatever is my, it is. Whatever it is. Yeah. But that's really what you're saying. You're saying, oh, I come up with and I decide what this is. Yeah, I've interpreted the world this way, and this is the way it is for me, and yep. don't yep. infringe on that. Yeah, and so that's why you would have an infinite number of right. ways of thinking about this, right? But obviously, as Christians, we know that's not quite right. <laughs> well, this is the problem. This is the problem, right? This is the great problem. Yeah, so before we even get into any of that yet, yeah. uh-huh. let's just give a little bit of a, just a really brief, we don't need to get into it big time because it's not a huge deal, Sure. just a brief history of how we got to postmodernism, uh, you know, even just starting in like the 1700s with the Enlightenment and the the bringing in of modernity, yeah. modernism. Yeah. How did modern people think? And then mm-hmm. obviously now we have postmodernism. So I guess in some sense, postmodernism just is a period of time, and it's a period of time which is after modernism. Yeah. Yeah, there's two there's two things. One is a period of time, so yep. we have to say, in a real sense, we're all po- we're all living in postmodern times. Yeah, so I'm living in a world that I would say is generally got a postmodern world. Yep, that I live in. It's a time frame. It's chronological. But secondly, then is this: there is a philosophical ideology yeah. that you'd say is postmodernism. Yeah, in fact, that's a clue to this whole discussion. Sam is like, I've noticed this recent weeks talking to people like. It's the ism that becomes the problem in a lot of these things. Sure. Like I would say, I think every Christian should be, listen to me closely, I would think we should be, all should be a humanist in the sense of we should love humanity. God created humanity. We should be the first and foremost that care about the reality of what it means to be human. Yeah. And so in a sense, you could say, well, that makes me a humanist. I'm all about humanity. Right. But I'm not a... I'm very cautious about when we begin to go humanism Humanism, or secular humanism. Yeah. Now we're we're into a different thing, right? Yep. So so I love the fact that my daughters are feminine. Yep. But when we get into feminism, we got to go, no, wait, what what are we talking about now? Yeah. So you got to realize that, you know, so anyway, so postmodernism is an ism. Yep. It's an ideology. But at the same time, we live in a time period that's postmodern chronologically. Chronologically. Yep. And that's true. We live in it. So I guess, yeah. yeah, brief history, 1700s, Enlightenment started. Yeah, you go ahead. You're pretty good uh, with that. I mean, and, and just chirp in when you, when you have something to add. I mean, yeah, go. Ba- very, very brief. Like, modernism really started with, you could say, with the Enlightenment in 17, really in the 1700s. Uh, it really kind of went all the way through uh, 
mid 1900s kind of ended at the end of world war ii or you know the end of communism communism was really kind of like as communism fell modernism kind of fell uh in a sense and you know Modernism really was marked by an elevation of man's ability to rationalize or reason himself to absolute truth. So modern thinkers, they, they believe there was such things as absolutes, absolute truths, ultimate truths. Uh, and we as human beings, it was, yeah, it was, had a very high view of human beings. And we have the ability to reason, use our, use logic, use reason, use science, use the scientific theory, whatever it is, scientific methodology to get to, by our own means, truth. And, you know, part of, right in the middle of the modern time period was, was Charles Darwin and his, you know, origin of species and the, the, you know, the theory of evolution and all this stuff. And we thought we cracked the code. We thought we figured it out. We thought we figured out how human beings came to be. We think we know everything. We, we got it. Like, it's going to happen. Like, And, and, you know, for a period of time, you know, science was, you know, kind of exponentially growing. Even today, we still continue to, like, uh, the, the new information that we're learning is unbelievable. But at the end of the day, we're, we're from a Christian perspective, obviously we know the Bible tells us that we're, we're depraved, meaning we're not as evil as we could be, but every part of us is affected by sin. Yeah. Our minds, our wills, our emotions, everything is affected. Everything is tainted. Yeah. So I actually can't in a fallen state, reason myself to absolute truth in a sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're you're jumping ahead to the, to yeah, the, okay. to the solution, which is fine with me. Yeah. But, like, but, yeah, if I were to step back there, it would be a couple of things I'd like to flesh that out. Yeah. I, would, I would just say, so when you say modernism, we're talking about modern man. Yep. And it's very interesting. You talk about Darwin. That's true. So they, these would be some conundrums, even in the modern world, say the Enlightenment. We're trying to figure out, like, where does man come from? Well, oh, we got evolution now. That solves that one. Yeah. And what about, what's going on inside the human mind? Why do people do weird and cruel things? Oh, oh, we got we got uh, Freud and Skinner, and we got all these you know yeah, these the, thinkers, the these, these behavioral stuff. sciences that have developed come into to vogue now. Yep. And they're developing, and they're giving us all these answers. Yeah. And so with the rational mind and the scientific method, and you could say the sciences, we we call it psychology and sociology. These things, sciences, but in a sense, they're really philosophies. Yep. But there was these ideas that we have all these answers now, and we have mankind solved, yep. figured out. Yep. Um, and so one of the things you want to think about in this, and we may get into this later in this discussion, um, is that the idea of knowledge, okay, yeah. this, is, this is really the big issue, is the only knowledge that's really like real knowledge, like you can really, really know, is the stuff we get with our senses. It's the scientific method. It's science. It's yeah. what you get with your rational thought. Right. And so that's the real knowledge. Right. That's the public knowledge. That's for everybody to know. Yeah. And you can teach that in university. What we really don't know, though, is we don't really have religious knowledge. Sure. We don't, we don't really have knowledge about we, the term, the fancy term is metaphysical. Yep. Just think of you got the physical world, you got the metaphysical world. Yeah. Like, and when you think of metaphysical world, think of the soul. Sure. Or what's it mean to be a human person or, yep. um, you know, ethics and justice and yep. beauty. These aren't things you put on a table and slice and dice. Right. But they are real. Right. And so there was this idea like, well, we really don't have knowledge about that stuff, but we really don't need it necessarily because we got it all solved with our senses and with our rational mind and the scientific method. Right. And so at the end of the day, it, uh, one of the ways, again, it's, a, it's you know, there's more complication this, but if you want to understand it, just human reason is the measure of all things. Yeah. That's what you want to say. That's, yep, that's so that, reason. in a sense, is modernity. Yep. Now, just quickly, what you end up with that, 
and again, we're jumping through lots of hoops, and but again, the average person could hear this and go, oh, I get it. What you end up with and what happened in modernity is that if you go down that road, what you end up with is, is if you will, just the mechanical. Yeah. Everything's a piece Purely of machinery. Physical. A human's a person of machinery. The family's a piece of machinery. Everything's mm-hmm. just a piece of machinery, a cog in a wheel. Yep. And you lose the real deep essence of life, meaning yeah. beauty, love, goodness. Right. Justice, what's the purpose of my life? What's my identity? Right. Because you can't. Because I have these real feelings. Yeah, but... you can't put those things on the table and slice and dice them like a piece of machinery. But right. there was this idea that everything's a piece of machinery. Yep. And if we can just make machinerize every, you know, machinize, is that what the word? Machination? I don't even know. Anyway, make everything a machine. Yeah. And just think of everything as a machine. Uh, we're good to go. Right. And isn't that kind of what happened with communism? Yeah. Collapsed. And Can't work. And millions of people died. Yep. Because of it. That's what ends up happening. It's crazy, really. Turn everybody into a piece of machinery. You're all a number. You're all a piece of something. Yep. And you're not real. There's not a real human person, right? Per se. There's nothing deep there. There's nothing. Right. Now you can't hardly live that way because we weren't. And again, we'll get to it. But as Christians, we know God didn't create us to live as machines, right? And so sooner or later, you can kind of go down that road if you want. But sooner or later, it breaks out and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Because like, wait a minute. There's more to me than just being a piece of machinery and a number and a in a cog, or, right? You know, a cog in a wheel, as they call it, or, or spoken in a wheel. Yeah, right, right, and yeah, and I mean, it's just kind of like to find you by your group in a sense, and there's no really individuality. There's nothing yeah. unique about you. You're just a machine. Yep, you're just a social construct. Right. Blah 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 blah. So I say, you know, I, you know, I, 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 Sam knows I have this whole file. I've showed him before, um, like of literally my, you know. 35 plus years of ministry of quotes I keep. Yeah. I literally have thousands and thousands <laughs> of quotes in these files. Somebody, uh, somebody might want them. I don't know. But they, but I love the I love, oh, that guy's saying such and such. So, so there's one particular guy, and I won't even mention names here. We don't need to. But, you know, he talks about um, how, like, uh, he, he's, a, he's a philosopher that would, would, would uh, reject uh, the Christian worldview. And he would say, um, you know, human beings are nothing more than truly a complex data processing machine. Sure. Okay. Well, and then I went on to ask a guy like that, and I've done this with a guy. Sam, well, you were with me last year. We were coming back from a place in another country, and we were yep, on a plane a, with a guy, and he was a physician. No, he was an an- anesthesiologist. No, no, no. Uh, brain, brain guy, neurologist, I think. I thought he was an anesthesiologist. Okay, that could be. He could be. You're Either right. way, he, he was. He was a doctor. doctor. He was right. He was an MD, especially anesthesiology. Yeah. Right. That's it. You're right. So anyway, it was just fascinating, because I would ask this guy who says a complex data processing machine, um, what do you think when your daughter jumps in your arms and say, I, I love you? Yeah. Right? Like, does she really love you? Or is it just some chemical swirling in her head? Like, she's a robot. And she's going, I love you. I love you. I love yeah, you. Yeah, what I is love this? What it's is not this? real. There's nothing real why within even, her. Yeah, why would a naturalistic world even create or bring about something that is what we experience as love? Right. Or beauty. Or, or, or music. Yes. Or let's go to another one. Freedom. Freedom. What is that? No, I'm not talking about political freedom like a culture folks i'm i'm talking like like am i truly a free being within me within within sure. this with this person i'm sitting here in the chair in my office can i freely make a choice right or is it just chemicals in my life that are, that are in my mind that are already right. pre-programmed right. to spit out an answer yep and when you get like that then you start to if you want to be logically consistent with such a view as that or, or yeah. worldviews that you have to you ultimately to be logically consistent have to reject the existence of evil in a sense. Oh yeah, because it's just it's just What is it? Yeah, what's evil? What's You can't good? say it's wrong. Right. So that's even interesting, but somebody kind of has this 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 inconsistency. They'll they'll level at me as a Christian and say, "Well, what about evil?" And I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. 
if you believe we're just you know we're just data processing machines, right. and, and 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 we really at the end of the day really don't have freedom, how can you even question evil? You're throwing something at me because evil actually comes from my worldview. Exactly. I actually view there's a real thing. You can't use evil against it's me. It's not a black gooey substance. Yeah. It's not a black cloud floating through the sky, but it's real. Yep. And it's a deviation from something good and right and holy and perfect. Yep. It is. Yeah, and I and I believe that. Right, and so so it's an interesting thing. Again, so we were with this anesthesiologist on a plane. Yep, and he was telling me it was really fascinating. He was he was grieving. He had a daughter, had a wife, and he says, you know, I'd like to think that I have this soulmate. I love my I love my wife. Right, and I'd like to think that like my daughter really loves me, but I think it's just chemicals in my head to tell me this. <laughs> and he says, I don't know how to get out of it. I've studied so much in this you know this this medical world. I want to think it's something more, but it I don't know what to do with that. And I said, so there's really no difference between um, you, your da- you, you saying I'm going to protect you and love my daughter, or throwing her off a cliff. Right. So I hate to use, and I even told him, I said that's even an awful example. I hate talking that way, but I said, really think about it. He said, oh no. He says there really would be no difference. Just the chemicals. I just hope the chemicals tell me. Even that. Even the, yeah, what's, telling, what's hope? You're, what's, you're, what's, you're, you're stealing hope from my worldview again. Yeah. Well, he even said he says, but I hope my chemicals tell me to love her and not throw her off a cliff. And I thought, well, where's that come from? Yeah, that, that's an interesting. All these words. So I'm not picking on the guy. I just, but you realize the sadness in his soul. He really wanted to know that this love was something more than just some chemicals in his head telling him to love his wife. And he did love his wife. It was wonderful. Right. And he loved his daughter. But he liked somehow in it. He realized, like, wow, if, it, if it's just chemicals, there's nothing more. Yeah. Well, all of that though, in a sense, comes out of this modern. Yeah. Modern. <laughs> that's my point. Again. On the streets, as you think about yep. it, that's that's kind of the idea, right? Right, right. And that kind of held sway in a certain way, chronologically and as an ism, up until, you know, there's there's different time frames people talk about. When, but when you start thinking of it in our country, like uh, 40s, 50s. Yeah. You know, 50, 40s, 50s. I mean, in general terms. You start thinking, hey, we started entering a new time. Yeah. And, um, and, th- and some people give it a time. They give it a time. Um, oh, I wish I could remember the time. I just forget it right now. But there was um, this uh, housing development that was destroyed in St. Louis. They bombed it. And the idea was if we could create these housing systems and put them in all these cities, and they were all looked exactly the same. They yep. were like and it was, they were, the same cookie they were cutter. Like concrete. And yeah, yeah. They were kind of, you know, efficient. stale and, and efficient. And if we just put these everywhere, we're going to solve our, you know, our, our inner city problems and these sorts of things. Well, of course, that didn't work. And then they blew it up. It, yeah. We're just going to destroy this whole idea that we can come up with a, a consistent piece of machinery to solve our problem. Right. But in doing that, it was the idea like this whole idea doesn't work. Yeah. And um, boy, I wish I could remember the date right now. Yeah, I don't remember it either. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. And uh, and some would say there was, was the marker of the end of postmodernism. Yeah, that was the beginning of it. That's, yep. you know, they end use of modernity, beginning of postmodernity. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of have this sense too of like, okay, you have these people, they d- the world did their modern experiment, didn't work. Millions of people died, yeah. hundreds of millions of people died. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't work. You actually have feelings. You actually have emotions. You actually have desires. Mm-hmm. And out of that, I mean, especially in America, you see this. You see these different revolutions or whatever you want to say the sexual revolution drugs experience tripping out lsd hippies music all this like kind of like a like a giant like kind of like blew up like almost like this stuff was suppressed in a sense in modernity and now you have yeah this postmodern time and these things kind of explode yeah people want to express themselves and yep 
you know, all that stuff. Yeah. By the way, I, I looked it up real quick on my phone. Isn't this modern technology? Isn't this cool? <laughs> you guys all laugh at me because I'm not, I'm a low tech guy, but, um, it was, and I knew what it was. It, 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 you know, I think they pronounce it Pruitt, I go or ego. And it was this housing complex that was destroyed. It was 1972. Sure. They blew this up. Yep. And they said, we're going to blow this thing up. Right. And it was a sense. Some people would say there was a sense in the world that that was this marker of, okay. Right. The, right. The, 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 the modernism is gone. Right. Right. But the interesting thing is modernism was gone, but it wasn't really replaced with anything. It was almost like rather than put these people in this thing, we'd rather them go homeless on the street. <laughs> That's what you end up with, and we'll go to postmodernism right. in a minute. Right. It's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll blow all this machinery up, and we'll blow all the systems up. Right. And this will become important in a minute because, and let me just tip my hand, and that is, um, as we talk about this, is that Christianity does believe in the machinery. We don't think that all there is is machinery, though. Right. Like, like, like we really believe Jesus came in a real body. Yeah. Like, you could have went up a and, real physical and body. you could have put a cut and he would have bled. Yep. It was a real As physical he did. body. He did. Yep. Real phys- See, we believe in that. Yeah. This is what's interesting. The, if you go back historically and look at even the, the, we could say the scientific method or modern science, it came out of Christianity. Right. We actually believe there's real things you can know. Right. About real physical things because we believe in a real God who created it. Exactly. But it's not the only part we yep. believe we also believe in a metaphysical non-material world yeah spiritual world spiritual world. and if anything the spiritual is more fundamental god was god's spirit he was he preceded the physical yeah. he created the physical and he created both and and so we have a worldview that says no i'm going to embrace both yeah that's what's fascinating i'm i yeah i embrace I'm, both so so what they did is they blew the whole thing up and then what are you left with <laughs> well now postmodernism starts shifting and you're left with well I guess just whatever's inside of me my, my you know what I feel what I think. Yep. So in a sense you could almost say postmodernity has more of a spiritual sense to it. Yeah. But the spiritual sense doesn't have any order to it per se. It's it's this feeling, it's the force, it's Star Wars, yeah. it's, it's I have this force within me. It's a, and we can go more there in a moment, but it's just an interesting right. Thing. Well it's so weird too yeah. because they still the typical post modernist yeah. person yeah. who's believing in the ideology, the worldview, whatever it is, yeah. they still pretty unanimously reject the metaphysical or reject God, reject reject well, the, that there's this this being or this yeah, pers- actual, personal being we can Personal know. being, right. Yeah. yeah, they reject God, but yet they still want... Spiritual. Spiritual. I mean, look all around you. All the yep. metaphys- metaphysical... You know what do you call them? Uh, bazaars at well, uh, you know I mean, conference centers. Y- y- and all here's these here's, so, a, re- yeah, no, here's no. a real example yeah. that's a probably very. It's a hot button topic without a doubt, but I'm going to say it because yeah. I don't care. Transgenderism. Here you have a physical body. Let's say yep. this this guy is born ma- male. He's yep. he has the XY chromosomes. He's a biological male. Yeah. He looks like a male. He's born a male. Now and he rejects God. Let's just say he's born. He's born in a postmodern world. He gets indoctrinated into this postmodern thought. Yeah. In this public school system. Oh yeah. But yet he has this feeling like I'm a woman. Yep. I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Yep. Well, then that woman is obviously not physical because you're physically a male. Yep. So what is this? You want you want to have this spiritual sense. You want to have these feelings, all this metaphysical stuff, but yet you ultimately reject that there is a God or any of this stuff. You still want to be naturalistic. You still want to be atheistic or whatever, mm-hmm. but still have this reality that you can be this woman trapped in a male body. Yeah. It doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. You can't have both. Right. Like what? what? So, so the example I give with that, Sam, you know, I, 
I mean, you went once again. You went a little quicker than I oh, usually do. I know. No, it's all great. <laughs> this this is really fun. I really enjoy this conversation. Um, by the way, this is the first time I've done a podcast conversation like this, right? So here's the deal. So, so I was all nervous if all day. Somebody recorded I'll, Dan Rumman twenty years ago. He'd be as well known as oh whatever. So, <laughs> Doug okay, Wilson. <laughs> okay, come on. Yeah, yeah. He's awesome. Uh, but no, seriously. Um, uh, you know, I was thinking all day, what's this like? I've never done this. So, um, but anyway, as you're going down this 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 trail, um, yeah. you, you are at a great place. But I, I would take one step back and just as we talk about this idea, I was talking earlier if I could camp on it just for a moment. Yeah, let's is camp. That, is, so this is how I do it. Th- I tell people, I just think I'm standing in front of you and talking to you. Yep. And so you get to know me. I'm Dan. I'm standing here. And um, I come back a year from now, and I'm in a wheelchair because I was in a terrible car accident. Yep. And I've lost my waist down. My yep. legs are gone. Yep. And we've seen people like this. Oh, yeah. And so I ask the simple question, am I half a me? Right. Or am I the same me I was before? And everybody stops. I'm like, okay, so here's my point. Yeah. It's like, I'm the same me I was before. Yeah. I just have half a body. Right. So I'm something more than my body. Right. Right? Right. So so I, I heard uh, J.P. Moreland give this example. It was wonderful. He says, okay, so I take a, a cell out of my body, one yep. piece at a piece. Put yep. a cell on a table, cell on a table. Cell. And I keep doing it until the, until the whole me is laying as a bunch of cells on a table. At what point do I get to me? Yeah. Like the real me. And so my point is, is that we all live this way. It's interesting. Like when I talk about me, when I say, I, I, Dan, have a headache. <laughs> think about that sentence. Just yeah. everybody think about that a yeah, minute. Yeah, like yeah. I have a headache. Well, I am saying I, yep. my head is hurting. But even when I say my head, I'm talking as if I'm a being that happens to have a head. I'm not equating me to the head. I'm going, right. my, see, I'm talking, and we, we all do this. Right. We all do this. And, and the reason we do it is because it's real. It's really what it is. Yep. And so my point is, is that I am both an immaterial being that's absolutely real and almost profoundly wonderful that... You know, you'd almost want to worship if you could see it for what it really was. It's the human soul. It's real. It's not just chemicals. At the same time, I have a body. And so the Christian view, yeah. what God gives us, and we'll get to this. I, to got, another a, I got a fun fact, too, to add on to that. Okay. Well, what we get, the, the bottom line is this, is that what God actually reveals to us is that I'm both. Yep. And he gives me knowledge that right. comes together right. in a unified way that tells me I'm both a body and a soul. Right. And it's 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 not inconsistent. It's right. coherent. It right. makes sense. It right. explains the world. It explains me. And it's like, oh. So I say, like I said earlier about being humanist, I, I want to go, if anybody should be the most like existentially worshipful, like, oh my, let's live for something bigger than ourselves. Whoa. It should be the Christian. Yep. It's like, whoa. And yeah. I, I, I walk and talk to a human being. I'm not even talking, somebody has to even have my beliefs. I should be in awe. Like, yeah. I am talking to a being that's, like, beyond what you can comprehend. Yeah. Here's a fun fact. Just yeah. with this whole idea of, like, okay, you lose half your body. What, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, this is, this is, this is, this is real. Experts yeah. in the area of research have, in this area of research, have concluded that there is a complete 100% turnover of atoms in the body at least every five years. Oh, yeah, I've heard this story. That, yeah, isn't yeah. that crazy? Yep, so my body's literally, technically, in one sense, my body is literally different every few Totally years. different. Totally different body. <laughs> like the physical atoms that yeah. make you up are totally different and every I, five years. And you know, at 59, I kind of can prove that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You, you kind of float for a while. Like, like, 30, okay, like if, 30 to late 40s, okay, you kind of float, but you don't you float go. anymore. I mean, you're, okay, let's just say you're 60. Yeah, I'm starting to show it. I mean, yeah, this thing's turning over. <laughs> good grief. What's, what is that? 12? Five times 12 is 60? Is that right? Yep, yep, yep. yep yeah. So yep, yep. you've had 12 bodies. Yep. 12 totally different bodies. Totally different. 
but yet you're still Dan Runman. I'm still the same Dan. And that's what's crazy, too, I would tell you. I, yeah, I imagine you being your age, Sam, and people listening to your podcast, or maybe younger people here. It is the bizarrest thing to realize that, that like you get around me and like inside me, and if you get around me like in my home, <laughs> I'm this young, loving guy. Like, oh, yeah. I still want to go climb and hike, hike and run around. Yeah, we, we, you're I'm like, this, hey, I got to go put this, this meat over in this woods for the coyotes. Yeah. Want to go for a walk in the woods? And yeah, like, I'm that guy. Like, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, you know. I really am young-hearted, and it's weird. You'll look in the mirror one day, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm an old man. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when somebody asked me to come speak. I get these op- cool opportunities to speak in places. And a guy says, you know, we want you to come speak at a retreat, stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I went to, I went to a web- website, which, again, I'm, 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 I'm weak at the technological stuff. So there's stuff out there for me, but not a lot. And he says, you know, we'd like a picture for the, for the retreat. And I'm like, well, there's one on the website. And he says, yeah, but you don't look like that anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, it was terrible. So, I mean, we can laugh about it, right? So, anyway, the point, uh, you know, we're, I think you guys are getting the point or we're getting the point in the conversation. And that is, like, like, God has given us real knowledge that says, yes, we're both yep. a real body yeah. and a real soul, and it comes together, and he gives me a view for that. So let's go back. Modernism was was kind of, um, you couldn't live without your soul because, I mean, we're made that way, but you kind of, in our ideology, yeah. the ism, you wanted to deny that and explain everything through the machinery. Yep. And the human rational reason was the, um, you know, the measure of all things. So then we go to post-modernity, yep. and we say, hey, that doesn't work so well, in a sense, and so you could almost say this is a, a maturation, a maturity of modernism. We go to the point now, say, well, let's throw that all out, the whole machinery, let's blow it up. Um, and now what it is is human experience right. becomes the measure of all things. And, and Sam, you know, we would have to have more conversation because we already said postmodernity is kind of weird. I mean, kind of like it's not this perfect thing that you can put in yeah. a box. But it's, it, it, it's human experience, but what it seems to have taken a, a, a certain strong, powerful position um, movement, and that is not just the individual experience, but the the experience of a group of people. Group experience. You find somebody who's kind of like you in some kind of a group. Yes. Yeah. Now, there's a sense, though. See, even as much as we say that's floating around, I know that we're still pretty stinking individualistic. Yeah, especially people in West, Western culture. So in a sense, you're still individual, but you're trying to find people who are like you. Yeah. So you're still individual about you. It's not like you're yeah. going to conform yeah, to other yeah. people. You, you're going to be like what you think you want to be or whatever yeah. your experience is, right. and you're going to try to find people like you. Right. Right? I mean, that's what the whole social media world does for Certainly. you, right? Sure. I mean, you go – and I say that it's been a fascinating thing for me to hear about this, you know, on campuses and your generation. Like, even on a campus, it was a time like – you know, uh, you you were on a football team or you were in a fraternity on a campus, and those were the guys you hung with. Yeah, that was because you was you, you sociologically you lived together, you were in the same place. That was your group. Yeah, and there could be a lot of diversity there, but that was your group. Yeah, guys, they tell me now, like like you could be on a campus, and even though you live in this particular dorm and you are in this particular, you because of the social media, your phones, all this sort of thing, you can find people that you feel are more like you, and they could be in lots of different places. Yeah, and you kind of find them, and you kind of attract to them. Yeah, but but here's the the key though. Again, the key here is that in in broad strokes now, but it makes sense in modernism. It was human reason, the natural machinery, the 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 the, the things you could get with your senses. Yep. was the measure of all things. Yep. And postmodernism, it's your individual human experience. Yep. I feel like this is true. Right. Spiritualities, I feel like this. Right. So I have a whole list on my desk over here where 
I, I, I write statements I hear people say a lot, and I always like, ah, oh, that would be an interesting discussion of that. So you'll hear people say, well, this is my passion. Yeah. And I want to go, okay, that's, that's kind of cool, but what happens if your passion is like really goofy? Yeah, what if my passion is to murder people? Yeah, I mean, really, right. You could yeah. go, that's my point. Like, yeah. like, because you have a passion doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. But that's generally what people see. Yeah. So you find that, in, in, and I'm not going to go off on a tangent on this, but it is a whole discussion, like, like what do I do for a job? People say, oh, I've got to find my passion. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always thought that was kind of interesting. Like, you know, there's steel workers working up in, uh, you know, Gary, Indiana area. You go sure. up there and they work in these big plants. And, I mean, you drive through there and it has a really strong odor. And it, you think, man, these guys worked. These are tough, rugged guys that worked in these hard, sweaty places. And you want to go... They didn't pick that job because it was like, oh, this is my passion. Right. No, I guess you could say they had a passion for their family, uh, to be with the neighborhood, to pay bills, to have a car. Um, and so they went and got a job. Right. And it wasn't all about, well, this is my passion. See right. how that works? Right. Now, and I'm not against, please, I'm not against about somebody finding something they really enjoy doing and doing that. I don't want to miss, my point though is, is the the nature of truth and knowledge in this postmodern world is all based on what you feel and think in your experience. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. And you have to just fundamentally ask the question, what happens if those passions and desires are off? Yeah. Which we know from a Christian perspective, if I want to get too far ahead, I don't know where it's you okay. want to go no, with I don't that. know I mean, where we're going. Really. Yeah, okay, should go. we tie in a little bit of Christian truth into this a little bit here? Yeah. Of, I mean, okay, yeah, just you're feeling just subjective stuff and yeah, and, yeah, and, so it's subjective. Yeah, I mean, it's a misunderstanding of. Yeah, so so I give examples like this, like so. Okay, so you know, um, we could go to things that are real clear, seem to be very clear, even those get to get foggy now too. But you yeah. think of like Nazi Germany, right? Well, you know, this group of people decided that this was right. Yeah, and we go, uh, no, it wasn't right. Well, how can you question it? Right, you know ISIS. They're doing what they passion. And Think you, about it. You, you want to talk about somebody committed and passionate? Zealous. They're zealous. Zealous, and they believe it. And they're likely very sincere in it. Absolutely. And you want to go? It's true for them. Yeah. How can I say that? How can I say they're wrong? And how can I infringe on that? Yep. And you go. Ooh, how can I stop it? See where this starts going? Oh yeah. It's really it's a it's a confusion. Yep. And so the example I usually give with that, if we kind of move a little bit more into the discussion of what's true. Yeah. You know, if you want to say if something's true, what we're really saying when we say something's true is what is the real reality? Yeah. What is reality? Right. And you make a propositional statement that reflects reality. Yeah. That's what truth is. Yeah. It's not just what's in you. Now, where that confusion becomes is the difference between uh, what we would say is subjective or objective. Yeah. So my standard joke that I always give is um, I like these... People are going to laugh at me again, but I like these things at McDonald's called a mocha frappe. <laughs> I have people tell me, come on, Rudman, it's a candy bar in a cup. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I don't do them too often, but I really do like them when it's hot out. I really enjoy them. So I kind of laugh about a mocha frappe. So so I imagine I'm in a car accident. I'm driving my bike down the road, and I get hit, hit a bike or my car, and I get in this terrible accident. I'm laying there, and I got a compound fracture in my leg, and it's bleeding. And the the you know the ambulance, you know, EMTs, everybody shows up, and they're going to take me to the hospital. I say, oh, take me, take me to the drive-thru at McDonald's. Well, why? Well, I need a mocha frappe. Why? Well, if I drink a mocha frappe, it'll fix my broken leg. It'll, it'll heal my internal injuries. And they're going to go, well, no, it won't. Yes, it will. It's true for me. It really yeah, will. yeah, yeah. Well, it's not going to. No. It's just it's just silly. It's just it's just not going to. Well, the problem there is that 
when I say it's true for me, it's a, called a subjective truth. Subjective. It, it's, 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 it's pointing at the subject. The subject's saying this, but it objectively is not accurate. Right. And so in this postmodern discussion, everything becomes this sub- subjectivity. Right. Well, and we like to, there's other jokes too. People have said it yeah, too. Cool. Like, I mean, thank goodness we don't have uh, postmodern, uh, you know, pilots. It's like, Oh, no. this uh, the altitude gauge says this, but I'm just going to interpret it however I want. Yep, I feel like this. Yeah, I feel like this. Yep, I'm going to do this. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I mean, literally, the yeah. whole world operates, in a sense, yeah. like postmodernism isn't true. Yeah. It has to. Yeah. Like, why do I brush my teeth in the morning? Yeah. I don't feel like brushing yeah. my yeah, teeth yeah, in the morning. It, yeah, and that's the, that's the problem, right? Because nobody really lives this way. No, they don't. Except, except when we wa- they want to apply it, if, you, if I could use the terms religion... Ethics in yeah. the area of ethics, sexuality. Yeah. You want to apply it to certain places, but you would never apply that with somebody asking you to pay a bill or pay a restaurant bill or whatever it is. And you, they say, "Well, I feel today you should give me twenty bucks." Yeah, for that stinking two dollar burger. Are you kidding me? Right. Well, that's what I feel. Yeah. Well, nobody would do that. No. Nobody lives that. No. Nope. No. Nope. And so it, it just it fundamentally can't work. Yeah. If you really want to be, it just can't work. Yeah. So I had an uh, interesting example that I give a lot of times on that discussion. I had this guy that was a Neat guy, and he wanted to come visit something I was doing. I was going. I go to the um, uh, the local jail every week, and I talk to guys, right. and they can ask me any. I literally, they can ask me anything they want, and then I try to open up the scriptures to them and help them understand. And I've been doing this for twenty years. Yep. You know, I don't know how many hundreds of men I've engaged discussion with. So there was a guy uh, that was a professor at the university. I think he was studying some sociology and counseling or something, maybe more psychology. He was kind of a counselor guy. Somehow he had heard about me, and he wasn't a Christian, yep. but he wanted to come observe me, what I did, in the jail. And so somebody asked me, hey, can he come? And, you know, the guy, the program director at the jail. I said, oh, yeah, sure, he can come. I said, the yep. only thing, let me talk to him first. And I told him, and his name was similar to me. His name was Dan. Really great guy. And I said, I said, yeah, you can come. I said, here's my only condition. I said, come and watch and observe, and as long as we can go out afterwards, and I'll, I'll be glad to buy you a burger. And if you're into a beer or whatever, you yep. know, I'm more of a Dr. Pepper guy, but I don't care, whatever. <laughs> and and I said, but I just want to, I want to like debrief with you. I want to know what you really thought. Yeah. And he said, oh yeah, it'd be great. So we went out afterwards and we're, we're having, you know, the, we're sitting there and just, you know, having our burgers or whatever. And, and I, and I said, so what do you think? Oh, I've never heard anything like what you shared with these guys today. I've never heard that before. I said, really? It's really interesting. This is an intelligent guy. Yep. Uh, he came from uh, um, an Orthodox uh, Jewish background. I sure. don't think. Currently, he was didn't sound like he was really practicing like Orthodox Judaism, but good guy. Yep. And um, and then he said, he says, you know, but I really, what I really think, I really think that these men should come up with what's true for them based on their experience. Ah. I thought, isn't that interesting? I yep. said, really? He said, yeah. And I said, so you just they they at the end of the day they go through their experience in life and they come up with what's true for them and they need to decide what's real and true for them. He said, yeah, yeah, I really think that's the way it should work. Right. I said, so I have a question for you. He said, okay. I said, so let's just think, try to think of the quintessential example of a a, a particular view. So we could say, uh, you know, the particular view of evil. We'd say there would be a poster of Hitler. Yep. Or let's go better. Let's go something nicer, humanitarian. We'd say, oh, there's Mother Teresa. If you saw her, you'd think, oh, she's the example of. Yeah. I said, so what is the example of the person who who comes up with what's true for them? They yep. do whatever they do whatever's true for them. And they and they live that way consistently with a completely clear conscience. Yep. 
He said, well, he said, I know you're baiting me, so what is it? I said, well, it's called a sociopath. <laughs> it's called a psychopath. You know, I, I, this person can go, you know, kill people, rape people, steal from people. And if you looked him in the eye and said, did you, did you do anything wrong? They'd say, no, I haven't done anything wrong. Right. Because that's true for them. Right. And I said, that would be your quintessential example of what you're saying people should do. Well, I mean, you think of it, there's examples. Ted Bundy, people like that. Yeah, there you go. And I said, so totally. this is... This is what you think we should do, Jew, in the incarcerated system. These men are really struggling. They made some terrible well, mistakes. Well, here's the interesting thing. The fact that they're in jail yep. shows you that this doesn't work. Right. How do you know that they weren't living according to their That's own my personalized point. truth? So I said, so you think we should actually go in and teach them this? And this is what you're going to go back to the university now and teach students to do? Yeah, because then we shouldn't have jails. I said, I said, and he said, wow. I've got to think about this. I said, yeah, I, th- I think you should. Yeah. Good because grief. he just hadn't thought through the ramifications of what this means. Yep. And my point is, is yeah, we, nobody really lives this way. No. That's the crazy thing. Nobody actually lives this way. Right. And if they really did, we would be in utter chaos. And no. the, it's an interesting thing, too. Jordan Peterson likes to say, you know, you never actually meet a postmodern person who actually believes 100% of yeah, postmodernism. Yeah. Well, and that's the they problem. might believe a little bit, 10%. I don't know. But then you yeah. get them all together, yeah, and then they all that. rile yeah. each other up. That makes sense to me, doesn't it? Yeah. Because nobody really does. That's what I'm saying. It's just So it's an ism. It's there. We have to acknowledge it. And here's the big thing for me, Sam. Yeah. And maybe I don't know if this is a segue to something else. I don't have an outline. You told me just let's just talk. We're going to talk. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So here, here's my problem. And I've seen this time and day. And I see Christians who say, well, we don't like modernism. It was just machinery. We're trying to make a modification. We're trying to shift it. And here, here's, let me just say it this way. Yep. You have to understand that I don't agree with modernism or postmodernism. Right. I say Christianity is, a, a, in this case, a third option right. that's completely separate from both of those. Right. So I could actually go into modernism, that's the point, and appreciate certain things certain we find aspects. out about the body. I could certain say, well, sure, there, sure, there's certain things in the chemistry in the brain. Yeah. Not a problem in the world. And and maybe we should use some medication to help some chemistries in the brain at times. Yeah. But that's not the full answer. Right. See? And then I could go to postmodernity and say, of course we want to have a human experience. Right. Of course you want to live in an experiential way and you want to experience love and joy and, and the ways God's created us to live. Of course. Yeah. And so, in a sense, you could go to any one of these views and say, of course there's things in there that a Christian could embrace. Right. But again, I think maybe talking about the ism is helpful. It's like the ism is a great problem. The Christian view, the biblical view, is that there truly is a God there. Yep. We believe God is, actually exists. Yeah. He's not bound up by us. He's not locked up in some little corner and trying to get some message to us. And if we do it wrong, everything's screwed up. Right. It's God. Right. I always say the omni-God. Right. Like, like limitless. Limitless. Eternal. And he chose to communicate with us. Yep. He's a personal being. He created everything out of his word. He spoke. Everything happens. Yeah. And so he created a world that's full of communication. Right. And and then supremely, there's these three communications I kind of focus on in the world. The one is the sense of I could look at a world like my daughters were looking at my office. Yeah. And say, wow, it looks like somebody's been messing around. <laughs> you can kind of look and go, there's some fingerprints here of yeah. something that looked kind of personal. <laughs> you know, there's male and female. They kind of fit together. There's organization. <laughs> there's all these things. And you're going like... It looks like something's been going on. And, and sure enough, if you go into the, into the world, and even anthropological studies, people have always felt there was like something out there. 
Yeah. No, maybe there was five things out there or one thing or what is it? But people had a sense there's something out there. Of course. Yeah. And what we call that in Christian theology is natural or general revelation. And that's Romans 1. Right. Romans 1. It says that God has revealed certain things yep. that you can't deny. You just look yep. around and go, wow, looks like something's there. Yep. So that's one of these voices that's not specific, but it's there. Yeah. Another one Romans 1 talks about is that there's things written in my heart. Yeah. There's things I just know. Yeah. There's things I don't know. Yeah. And again, I hate using the example sort of, but you almost have to now. I always say, come on, like we all know sitting here that torturing a baby for fun is really like gross and wrong. Yeah. And and anywhere you go in the world and yeah. talk to people, they would say, Yes, that's true. Yeah. And the the very unique person that says no. You say, There's something wrong with that guy. Yeah, and we need to lock him up. Yep. We would. We gotta lock him up. So the whole point is though, and we could keep going down this road, there are things within every one of us that God has wired in yeah. us. Yeah. Okay, so that, that is a voice. It's yeah. very small. It's very here's, quiet. A, here's an interesting, interesting thing, too. Yep. People say, well, what about what about some of the cannibalistic tribes in Papua New Guinea and blah, 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 blah. You okay, know? go ahead. And, and the, when you actually study those cannibalistic tribes, yeah. you realize that they only cannibalize people from the other tribes. Yep. And that they have to see them. They actually teach that they are subhuman. They're not humans. Mm-hmm. And that, so, literally, it's ingrained in this. Yep, yep. If I'm going to eat a human being... I got to convince myself yep. that they're not a human being. Yeah, and you got to go, why do they even do that? And then if that were true, you could see, oh, they've got a, even a justice system, yeah. a certain morality they that do. they've designed to try to make this work. Yeah, they're trying, you go, to justify, they're trying to, to find a loophole. Right. So, so that's what, now here's the supreme voice, though. Okay, so those are voices. Natural, general relation. I'd say things written on the human heart. There's different ways to say this, but it yeah. kind of, that's what's true. Here's the supreme one. Jesus showed up. Yeah. The living God in the universe showed up on earth. Yep. And... I tie these together because Jesus tied these together. Yeah. He said God has spoken to us. Yeah. And he spoke to us in his word. In the scriptures. In the scriptures. And Jesus, this is the big thing. Jesus based everything on the scriptures. Yep. He confirmed it, affirmed it, said this is the ordained way that you know the truths of God. Yes. That's the point. Yes. God, God has re- revealed themselves personally through prop- propositions, propositionally yep. through Scripture. Scripture. And so so real history, real things, real facts, real acts. Yep. Absolutely real. Yep. Real stuff. And Jesus confirmed it and said, this is God's ordained means. That's yep. what you got to get. Yep. God said, I am going to put a revelation on a page. Yeah. And I'm going to do it through man. Yep. And I'm going to carry them along and I'm going to give it to you. Yep. Now, what's fascinating is we could actually have, you talk about those two views, rational and the experiential. We could have a rational discussion about Scripture. Yeah. 66 books and how they fit together. It's fascinating in and of itself. You could make a case for like, man, it looks like something's divine behind this yeah, thing. Yeah, this just All these not, books fit together. Hundreds of years of, of prophecy and the whole thing, like pieces of a puzzle fit together. Yeah. And you got to go way. 2,500 years, three yep, different there's languages. There's all, yep, all these different authors, hundreds of controversial subjects. different authors. It all fits together. We could have this whole discussion, and that's, that's a viable discussion, and yep. we need to have that. At this point, I'm simply saying, though, isn't it interesting? Jesus said, well, of course, this is, of course, this is this, because this is the word of God. God has spoken. And then, I mean, everything Jesus said, he says, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to be raised to life three days later. Yep. He was raised to life three days later, validating everything he said. Yep, yep. Validating all. Validating all. And, you know, we could get into the whole topic of evidence for the resurrection. Different topic. It's real. There's evidence. Yep. The whole point is... He validated. It's validated. It's done. So, it's done. so coming back to the issue, the point is, is God has given us real knowledge. Yep. 
I think I got off a little bit here, but the, my point is, is God has given me real knowledge yep. about real things. Yep. And isn't it fascinating? This is another fascinating thing to me about this, Sam, that I just think, man, this is amazing. When you understand what the scriptures are saying, when you actually study and say, oh, then you look at the real world. Yeah. It actually fits the real world. Fits. It fits. That's the point. Like God explains what's going on inside of a human being. Yeah. And then you go and, you know, it actually, it actually does fit. It's reality. It's reality. Fits. It's cohesive. So God created a world, created a world. Then he spoke to us about that world. And if you dig in there, you realize like, wow, this is explaining my world. Yeah. And so here you and I are sitting here today reading this, this, the, the scriptures, these 66 books that have been carried along for, you know, uh, 3,500 years. Yep. I mean, that's even incomprehensible, really. Sit down and think about it. 3,500 years ago, this stuff's, you know, we got stuff from thousands of years ago. And it actually applies to my life today. Yeah. It like tells me something true about oh, myself. Oh, it actually shows me just the other day failure I have with my own wife that I need to like like love her better. And I mean, it's amazing to me. I'm sitting here in my life as a man, yep. with my own failings, going, and nothing great in the moral. Don't misunderstand on a podcast. I'm just saying, like, I need to love my wife better sometimes. Yeah. You know, I'm just kind of grumpy and self-centered. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know. But isn't that interesting? I was reading my Bible, and God's telling me about how to care and how to treat. Right. And because God's in my life, his very presence, the Holy Spirit's in my life, he takes his word, which is another whole doctrine, but he illuminates it. Yep. He brings it to life to me yep. and shows it to my mind. I'm going, oh, there it is. Yep. Oh, man, I need to do some things about You're this. You're being renewed. Yep, I'm being renewed. I need, I need to Acknowledge. Step, yep, I need to, I need to step up. This, this ancient book. Yep. That applies to my real life right. today and explains. So the point in all this is that it's it's a source of knowledge. And right. so you say in the modern world, the source of knowledge was just my rational mind, scientific method, machinery kinds of stuff. And again, think about it. Just you know, for most of us as we walk around, we don't want to get all technical about. It. Postmodern is it's about your individual experience. Yep. And both both of those areas of knowledge could be awry. Yeah. They could be awry. And you were trying to give the one earlier. A person feels one way, but their body says there's something different. Yeah. And so you got to ask the question, okay, so is the body right or is the feeling right? Which one's wrong? <laughs> right. See, and I want to both think, can't come be on, true. you guys. Don't you think for maybe, maybe it's the feelings that are wrong and the body's right? Especially especially when the, the scriptures say that really the heart is deceitful yeah, and wicked yeah. beyond all things. And I feel terrible that somebody has this really conflict in their soul. It's an awful thing. But even that, we would say, but the Bible tells us why you do. Yeah. It, 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 it actually it does. It tells you. It tells you. It actually tells you. So, so I, you know... I think of a time when I was a kid, you know, here we are sitting in my room and I have all these lessons from life, but I was a kid, uh, I was like 14 or 15, and, and I grew up in, in northern Michigan, and we learned about, um, we learned there were a handful of principles you had when you lived in these big woods. Yeah. And uh, a few principles about, you know, getting lost and what you do to start a fire and all these sorts of things. And one of the things I was always told the time I was a little kid is you always believe your compass. Yeah, you always believe your compass. And you're gonna laugh at me. Right? Have you heard me tell you the story? I don't so, even know. But okay, so I was like 14. So funny. Or it's like, well, I, uh, believe why compass. would you disbelieve? Right. Well, I was 14 or 15, and I got lost. <laughs> and or let me just say this: you know, lost is a strong word. I was, I was lost in the sense I was mixed up. I didn't you know. Turned around. Yeah, I mean, you know, lost means like nobody's gonna find you for days. I mean, somebody would have eventually found me, and I would have found my way out probably somewhere. But the point was, is I'm walking and walking, and walking, and I kept looking at my compass, and I did not think my compass was right. I thought this thing I had to have fallen and broken my compass because it's telling me to go yep. this direction, and I'm going. There's no way that's the way out of here. Right. I know it's not. It does not feel right. Yeah. And I would not believe my compass. Yep. I wouldn't believe it. And so I remember at one point, again, just think I'm a young man, 14, 15. I do think 
14, 15 year olds are men, by the way. Young, yep. immature, got yep. a lot of growing to do, but I think I'm a man. That's why they used to used to allow you to carry an actual high power rifle to go yep. hunting with. Yep. <laughs> That's another topic for another day. Uh, but I said, okay, I'm going to believe my compass for 20 minutes. I remember, I still to this day remember looking at my watch going, <laughs> I'm going to believe my compass for 20 minutes. And if it doesn't get me out, I'm going to do what I think I need to do. Yeah. So I looked at my compass and I started walking and it totally felt totally weird. Like there's no way this is right, but I'm going to believe it for 20 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes later, I was at the road. What I was doing is walking parallel to the road. I was 400 yards off the yep. one side of the road, walking the same direction as the road. Yep. I would have kept dropping. I, I, I went back and looked at maps. I would have walked for four miles before I ever hit a road. <laughs> and all I had to do is go 400 yards, which is a quarter mile if you didn't know. Yep. Uh, you know, 90 degrees from where I was at. And uh, I was out in 10 minutes at the road, knew right where I was at. Yeah. And it, and it was because I wouldn't believe my compass. And that, you know, that's that, that, this is a perfect it. illustration of yep. today with the Bible. Yep. Oh, I'm going to trust my feelings, my intuitions. Oh, this doesn't seem right. right. God can't be sovereign like this. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't elect pe- certain people to be saved. Blah, yep. blah, 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 blah. Whatever. Right, right. Like, oh, oh, and it's like kind of the Jefferson Bible thing. Like, oh, I don't feel right about this. I'm going to take it out. Right. And I'm just gonna, yep. I'm just gonna, you know, believe the certain things that make me feel good about the Bible. Right. No, right? You, you, like the the Bible says, your heart is wicked beyond all things. Like, yep. can't trust myself. You can't trust your feelings. You can't trust yourself. No, you can't right. trust your intuitions. Nope. You have all these biases and all these false understandings and these 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 wrong presuppositions that you bring yep. to the Bible. Yep. And you got to go. No, trust your compass. Yep. yep. Trust the Bible. Yep. You got to. And and then when you do, you you find it isn't interesting. You find it works. Yeah. You go, wait a minute, this actually does work. It's actually and my feelings fits came reality. in line. Here's what's interesting is once I walked out and came to that road, I sort of felt, if I could say that way, I felt the direction the right way. Like yeah. all of a sudden my feelings don't feel confused anymore. Right. Well, right. Yeah, you got to the road like, oh, wait a minute. Right. And so the, the point we're talking about here is you have to have a reference point. Yeah. And here's what's interesting in this discussion then, is that when you get to this discussion, um, you realize um, that everybody, everybody, right, whether they've thought about it or not, has something they go to, they lean on. Yep. That the fancy way of saying it is this final authority. Right. So another simple way I think about it is everything I believe today, I believe because there's maybe a little step I believe before that. Sure. So I'm sitting here in my chair because, you know, make, jumping through hoops real fast here. Like I came through my door. I came through my door in my office because I had come out of the kitchen after dinner. Yep. One step led to another, 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 another sequence, right? Yep. And so think of a domino effect. Yep. So if you went back far enough in that sequence, you got to come to a beginning point. Yep. Right. So what is the beginning point? So the same thing in your area of knowledge is you're thinking things through. What is my beginning point? And you realize that if you're going to think this through, you have to determine what is going to be my final premise, like the beginning point of every discussion. And everybody does this. And I can't go back in history. I can't go back thousands of years. I can't go back to say how far does this go and what is the point being is that at some point you look at the evidence as they lead you somewhere but you, by faith, you trust. You say, that is going to be my beginning point. That yep. is going to be my reference point. Yep. So that day I got lost. I said, okay, I am going to trust this compass. Yep. Now, in all fairness, too, if you understand the way a compass works, it points to what's called magnetic north. Right. And in Michigan, where I grew up, magnetic north literally is by Hudson Bay. So it's truly even not just magnetic north. On a map, it's like right above you. Yeah. You know, if you want to think of it that way, like straight up, right? Yep. yep. It works perfect. There's no deviation. So 
Um, what am I trying to say? Um, I have to determine what is going to be my beginning point. Yeah. And see, and I sit here and through uh, suffering of life, through the loss of a child, through was uh, we've had that. I had a child. Yep. Child, our, our, our third third child uh, died. Um, I've had, uh, you know, we raised five, but yep. we had we actually had six. Um, I've had lots of suffering. I had almost 10 years of a disabling illness. I've had yep. my share of stuff in life, and there's people that have had it a lot far worse than me. Yep. I'm just saying through everything I've been through, I sit back and go, yep, my original premise of all things is that I actually, for lots of reasons, yep. we could talk about the reasons, but I, my trust is that the living, personal, infinite, triune God, the omni-God actually exists. Yes, He's actually there. Yes. And it's not like he's sitting there wringing his hands hoping I figure something out. Right. He's God. He's working. He's active. He's, active. he's sustaining he's you. Yep. And secondly then, I already said it earlier, is that he's communicated with us. Yep. And so if you're going to have a discussion with me, at some point I want to try to be fair to the best I can and say, okay, I believe God is there. I believe he spoke to me. Let's see what he says about this. Right. Then from there, let's start talking about philosophy let's start yeah. talking about uh you know social justice all these things that are happening in our culture you can't talk about those things unless you first start say okay is god there and who is he yep what's he like and secondly did he communicate with us or not right because do you understand what you're saying if you're saying that well we got to kind of figure out the bible for ourselves oh you mean like this god kind of wanted us to know who he was but he can't quite make sure that we we, we get it yeah see you're actually questioning the character of god at right. that point which is exactly what Adam and, Adam and Eve, but Eve did in the garden. Yeah. Like God said, uh, you know, Satan says, you know, God's not really just. He's not really good. Right. He's messing with you. Yeah. He's keeping things from you. Did God so, really say this? Yeah. And so all of a sudden she's put in a place of a judgment. Am I going to trust? Um, what am, in, in, in all fairness, she's not the judge. She doesn't even get to make that decision. No. But she did. But she did. She's like, okay, here's Satan. Here's God. And I'm going to elevate Satan. Yep. And I'm going to but, but diminish even that, God. Right. And, and what's crazy is that even that position, think about this. It sounds really weird, but even her coming to that place put herself in this position like I get to decide. I'm the ultimate authority. No, you don't. Yeah. And I say all the time, again, I've lived life long enough to say, I'm not this old, old, old man, but I'm old. I could be gone in a few seconds from here, and I don't have a choice. Right. And I had 10 years of a disabling illness that led me to deal with some depression and anxiety. And I found out, like, my brain could quit working. Yeah. That's a scary thought. Yeah. Like, I can't think right. Yep. And that happened to me. Yep. Like, and it was scary. Like, yep. oh, wow. Like, I'm not in control of this thing. Nope. And so God is there, and he communicated with us. Yep. Now we can go and say, okay, so let's try to figure out what he did communicate to us, knowing, though, that he wants us to know this knowledge. Yeah. He created us to worship him, and worship so, requires knowledge. Right. And he's going to show us what he wants us to know. And so this idea, like, oh, we're left on our own now. And we're, you know, you and I have talked about this, and yeah. we picked it up from other guys, but there's, there's this idea, like, okay, some people say, oh, of course there's absolute truth out there, but we can't get really get to it. See, some would say there is none, but then others, the kind of the common thing today is, oh, no, it's there. Yeah. But it's like trying to climb up this greasy pole, yeah. right? You got to climb this greasy pole. And who can possibly climb the greasy pole? Nobody can climb the I greasy mean, yeah, pole. Yeah, just think of it, literally, think of a flagpole, cover it with like, Literally grease, yeah. Vaseline, whatever it is. You, you can't, can't climb that thing. You can't. And you so can't who it. are you to say you got the truth? Nobody can climb up it. Well, see, that's not my claim. My claim is God came down. Yep. My God condescended, if you will, to my little finite human little tiny yeah. speck of a dust person. Yep. Told me true things. And he gave me real things. Yep. He didn't give me everything. That no. would be exhaustive. I, I don't even have He the... alone has exhaustive knowledge. Exactly. So my hard drive, that's another thing I tell people. Of course I have questions. But my hard drive isn't, it doesn't even have the capacity to get there. Right. 
mean, we're talking about infinite. Right. Just get your mind around infinite. Try to. Can't. You can't even do it. Limitless. Yep. The mind of God is limitless. Like, yes, he actually does. Not just know what's going to happen. Like, he's he's intimately involved with it all. He yeah. knows every cell in my body. Yep. Mine, sitting yep. right here in yep. Lawrence, Kansas, in, in the cell of every human body on the face of the planet. Right. And what and, and and you're like what? The more you ponder it, the more you'll just it just t- takes your breath away. Right. But that's what it means to be infinite, right? Limitless. <laughs> like oh my goodness. And so that's who I think is actually there. Yeah. And so I do my best with my finite mind to make sense of my life yep. and look at the Word of God and say, yep, this seems pretty stinking clear, and I'm going to obey obey that. So that is my authority. Right. What these other issues are modernism, postmodernism, and all these things, whether it be cults, wrong thinking, philosophy, yep. every one of these issues, at the end of the day, it's a shift of authority. Right. And ultimately, every other authority other than it's God and he spoke is actually you're making yourself the authority. Yeah. Which is, goes right back to what Eve did. Yep. You're going to decide where you're going to put your trust and what authority. And I got to be honest with you, I really don't even have that choice. You don't. And even if you think you do, even if you're living in this delusion. That, that I am. Like, even if you're living this delusion, like, yeah. you have figured it out. You are the ultimate authority. You are the determiner of your destiny. You got yeah. it figured out for yourself. Right. Whatever it is, if you're if you're going against ultimate reality, mm-hmm. eventually you'll face the consequences. Right. So even Eve, you know, she thought she figured it out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got it. I'm going to be like God. Yep. I'm going to know, the, you know, good and evil. I'm yep. going to eat of this tree. Uh, but God had said, the day you eat of it, you should surely die. Right. And God was generous. He didn't kill them in the moment, but they yeah. died. Right. And he kicked them out of the garden, and there was consequences, yep. and they faced those consequences. Yep. And we all now are sinners, willingly, have gone against God, and if we do not repent and turn to Christ in faith, we yep. will face the consequences. Yep. Even if we think we yep. know what we're doing. Yep. So in a sense, really what we're saying when we, we talk this way, it's called the gospel, the message of Christ. We're just stepping into reality. Yeah. It's exactly. really, it's kind of weird. It's yeah. kind of like, okay, the reality is I really am sinner and screw, I'm really screwed up. Yeah. I'm I really actually, am. I'm if I were just wicked. honest, it's just, it's honesty. I tell people, just be honest. Yep. I really am not all that. Right. I like, and and yep. my only hope is that, is God really there and he can really invade my mind and yep. he can really forgive me? He said he could. He demonstrated it in history. And so I put my trust there. Yeah. And so this whole and discussion. It, and it's not irrational. It's a rational trust it fits reality yeah yeah rational trust this I isn't could, a, yeah, okay because yeah, yeah. so many people say oh faith is a blind leap yeah no 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 this isn't a blind leap well here's the crazy one you want to think about this a minute this i i use this if i could jump back to an example i used earlier this is very fascinating to me okay so when i was talking about modernism and naturalism and, yeah you know we just use our rational mind right and in that you aren't even going to have freedom because it's just the chemical machinery that's telling you what to do there's nothing in there making a free choice yeah well here's what's interesting there's another philosopher uh, again, just I'm using a quote here, but he says freedom is so built into our experience that we can't give it up, even though we know there's no ground for it. <laughs> this this is this is an atheistic, very yep. popular, you know, PhD philosopher at a major university in our country. Yep, freedom is so built into our experience that we can't give it up, even though we know there's no ground for it. Right. So he accepts the fact that yeah, my system kind of leads me to the fact that I really don't have freedom, but I live as though I have freedom, so I'll live about. I'll live as though I have it, even though I really can't prove it or have ground for it. Yep. Now, you know what you call that? A blind leap. Exactly. So you actually do have a blind leap. Yep. You're saying, I'm going to pretend that there's freedom, even though I don't really think there's any ground for right. it. You see, I don't do that. No. I actually really don't. Like, like, like no, I, I'm going to have a, ra- I actually have a rational thought and it makes sense. Now, some of you might say, yeah, but you have to trust. Well, yeah, everybody has to trust. Yeah. 
There's a handful of things we all do. We all we all live as though something exists. Yep. We all live as um, with with a sense of there's these final uh, presuppositions or absolutes that we all have to live with. Yep. Like, like my words have meaning. I wouldn't even be talking to you right now if I didn't think my words had some kind of meaning. Right. Okay. And then we all so that's 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 called we all believe there's a certain. Again, I want to be careful how we talk about it, but absolutes or premises that we begin with. Yep. So we first we all believe something exists. We all believe in in final absolute premises things. Yep. Uh, we 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 all believe in the law of non contradiction. Yeah. Whereas I'm talking Even to you, you I don't mean the it. opposite of what I'm talking about. When right. I say Sam, I really like you. You've been a good friend. Uh, I don't mean the opposite. Right. Uh, you know. Right. And so, but the final one is the final piece of that whole idea is that we all live by faith. Right. We all trust something. Right. And things all day long. It's like this. I'm talking on this little microphone thing here, and I trust that most of you get a pretty good gist of what I'm saying. And you're not thinking I'm saying the opposite. Yeah, and you set your alarm, thinking, oh, I set my alarm for 6 a.m., and I trust that this phone is going to work and the technology is right, and I'm going to be woken up at 6 a.m. The beauty of the Christian worldview, uh, Christian understanding, the biblical understanding, is that there's a real rational world, a real physical world, and a real spiritual world. They come together in a unified kind of field of knowledge is the way it's been framed, a circle of knowledge that yep. makes sense of both of them. Yep. It doesn't mean I have it exhaustively in every answer, but but it, it makes sense, it's coherent, and I don't have to take some blind leap into something. Right. No, of course I have to trust certain things. Right. But it's rational to trust them. Well, here's the thing. Like, the whole thing with science itself, mm-hmm. to even do science, it relies on on this assumption that tomorrow will be like today. Yeah, right. Like yeah. the laws that govern the universe right now will be the same tomorrow, yeah. and I can continue to do my scientific research. Yep. You have no basis to make that claim or to do science if you do not have yep. an ultimate assumption or presupposition that there is an ultimate yep. order. Yep. That's, you, uh, that's you, you assume eternal. that. You assume that. You assume right. that. Right. So we alone, Christians, have the ability to do science, to do logic, to do rational thinking because we have the ultimate presupposition, God, the triune God who is ordered in his very nature yeah, right. who's illogical in his very nature well, and if you don't even go there let's say let's say let's say right now you're the agnostic or atheist maybe even listen to this and you're not real sure let's say you don't want to go to the position of god you still are the point is you are operating by trust and faith yeah meaning you're assuming that tomorrow will be like will be like today the only difference between you and me as a theist as a christian yeah is that you don't have a basis for that belief yeah. you just kind of hold on to it yeah I'm glad you do, right? But the fact is, is like I think there's something behind that. Yeah, that's the only difference. Yeah. And I, th- I think what's behind it is a personal infinite God. So yep. I, so I can take it to my, con- yep. my, my, my discussion back to a final conclusion. That's where I go. So, yeah, I mean, that's what you know. We could get there, but that's what we're really talking about. Is like, where do we get this knowledge? Where do we get these things? And I, I think it's quite rational. Yep. And makes perfect sense. It's coherent. It's yep. consistent with life. I've watched it over and over and over. Yep. Uh, I see it historically, and that is that, no, um, I have this knowledge that comes from God, and it's he's written it all over the world. He's written it on my heart, and supremely, he's given it to me right in this word. I can open up, and this is the voice of God. Yep. Yep. It's amazing to me. Yep. Okay, so I think I'm going to end this episode here. We're going to we're gonna probably just continue to keep going. Uh, so hopefully, if you've, you're listening to this one, you just continue to listen to this discussion that we're having on postmodernism, knowledge, interpretation, God, all these things. We're talking about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully, okay, so I want, I would like to kind of have us transition a bit in the next episode. If you're listening to this, you can kind of look forward to the next episode as we start to really dive into postmodernism a bit more on this, you know, this idea of an infinite amount of interpretations, uh, hyper-skepticism, mm. uh, things like that. How does postmodernism actually 
play out in the real world? How are we actually seeing it playing out? And eventually, and this might be in a part three too, where we finally get to the point where we start to discuss how it's been affecting the Christian church lately. Yeah. And, you know, all this social justice stuff and oppressor mm. oppressed. Wow. And, you want to talk about a lot of stuff. Oh, there's so much to talk about. So we're going to, I mean, I want to talk until oh my our tongues fall out. But okay. hopefully, tune back into part two of this discussion that I'm having with uh, my good friend Dan Rudman.